welcome back to another episode of The Process Pod. My name is Camille and I am so happy that you're here. Today, um, I have a a new episode for you all. We're going to dig into some things that I've been thinking about personally and some things that I have been talking to other people about lately. Uh, So hopefully you can can relate. We're just going to kind of dig our teeth in and do some processing and some reflecting, you know, you know how we do, you know how we do over here. All right. So let's just jump right in to our first segment, which is our cultural conversation for the day. Now, this cultural conversation um, actually was influenced by a prompt on Bumble Biz. Now, let me be clear. I'm not using Bumble as the dating app. We're not, we're not doing that right now. But if you didn't know, they have a Bumble Biz, like for businesses, I don't know, not businesses, but anyways, like for networking and stuff, right? And so a few weeks ago, I was like, let me let me go ahead and see what they got. Um, and on the on the profile, you get to enter some different some different prompts. And one of the prompts was about failure. Um, and what was it? I'm trying to pull it up so I can. So I can read it for you guys word for word. Okay. So the prompt was, I'm not scared of failure because, and my response was, it doesn't exist. With every disappointment, we have a choice to remain defeated or become curious and seek growth. So our cultural conversation today is about whether or not failure exists. Is it a real thing? Now, I know that it's a it's a real word and we've got definitions and f- failure, you know, I guess, okay, it exists in some sense, right? But in a greater sense, I don't know that it does. And I think what I mean by that is when we talk about failure, when we hear the word failure, we failed at something that just has a certain sense of finality to it. It feels like It wasn't successful, therefore it can never be successful, therefore it's dead because it was not successful. And I just don't know how often that's really true, you know, the finality of it all. I don't know if that has to be true. When you think about what do we constitute as a failure, it's when something doesn't work. When something doesn't work the way that it was intended to or something wasn't successful in the way that we hoped that that it would be. You know, let me see what my good sis Google has to say about it. Let's just go ahead and pull up a, a definition. I should have had this pulled up already. You know what? I'll be more prepared in the future. We still, we're still learning. We are still learning as we go. Okay, so failure definition. Let's see. So... And this, and this is why. This is why I didn't Google it because I didn't need to because I know what I'm talking about, okay? Google says that failure is a lack of success. That's the, the first definition. The second definition is the omission of expected or required action. Okay. So failure is when something does not succeed. That doesn't sound like a fair opposite to me. That really makes it feel like you're either... You can only either success succeed or fail. And I think that if you've been alive <laughs> for any significant amount of time, then you know that that is not the case. We all have had, you know what, let me not say we all, I can only speak for myself, I guess. I know that I personally have had circumstances or situations that weren't 100% successful, but... 
they also were not 0% successful. I feel like that's the only that's the only reasonable definition of failure is when it is 0% successful and there is no opportunity for growth or redemption or recovery, you know? And maybe it has to do with our perspective on kind of how we see life in general. Do we see life as a series of opportunities and lessons? Or do we see life as one shot at failure or success? If you see it as the latter, then I imagine that you're just living in a whirlwind of fear. Because if you're not 100% successful, then you are 100% of a failure. And those odds sound really high, you know, 50, 50, when it's in that sense, that, that, that just, that just sounds really, really high. But I think that if we come back to reality, we really live in the gray area a lot. You know, the, the, the terminology of success and failure leans itself to like the black and white, all or nothing thinking. And that's kind of a dangerous thing. We talk about all or nothing thinking in my field a lot, and it is this dangerous thing because it paints our view of the world in this monochromatic way. It is either this or it's that. There is no in-between. And if there's no in-between, then you don't even give yourself enough space to be human. To be human. That's not fair. Give yourself a chance, you know? All right, so going back to the prompt, my response was with every disappointment, we have a choice to remain defeated or become curious and seek growth. And I truly think that that is the case. The whole thing about whether or not failure is real, I think it's all gonna come down to your perspective. All right, so let's let's, let's do an exercise, do a visualization with me, okay? Think about the last time that you felt like a failure. Think about the last time that you did something or tried something and it didn't work. It wasn't successful. It, it didn't have the outcome that you hoped or expected or were looking for. What did you feel? What did you feel when you realized, when you first realized that it was not successful? You probably felt disappointed. Maybe you felt a little bit confused, frustrated, I'm sure, irritated, maybe sad. All these things that you felt, right? What we know about feelings is that they're fleeting. They kind of come and go. So I think that we've got a choice to allow the feeling to come and then go or to stay in it and just succumb to the defeat that we feel internally because our first attempt at something was not 100% successful, you know? Like even if you think about um, different products that always have updates, right? The apps on our phones are always updating, updating, updating. We're fixing things. We've got these bugs. We're fixing, we're fixing, we're fixing. Because I don't know anything that's 100% successful the first time. I don't, I don't, I don't think so. And so as these feelings are kind of coming and going, we have a lot of choice in the matter about what we can do with them and about what our next move is going to be. Now, if you believe that in that moment, this, this thing was a failure, this venture was a failure, then it's only a hop, skip, and a, and a jump from that to I am a failure. And that, my friends, is where we get into very, very dangerous territory, and which is why I'm of the belief that failure doesn't exist. 
We internalize external things all the time. And this is a, is, it's a perfect example of that. The things that happen around us, the things that are taking place in our environment do not define us. If they did, I mean, what would that even look like? What would that even look like? And moreover, I think, I believe that we've got more of a tendency to internalize the negative things in our lives than the positive, right? We're quick to say this was a failure and therefore so am I. We're not as quick to say this was a success, therefore so am I. Maybe it's because we're waiting for the 100% success rate that likely will never come. But if we're talking percentages, then let's look at what actually was successful in this attempt. Because as long as you're not exactly where you started, then you were somewhat successful. So if we're going to be internalizing things, let's internalize that. There was success there. Do we choose to see it? Or do we only choose to see the other percentage that hasn't quite made it yet? Right? If you were 60% successful, do we choose to see the 60% or do we focus on the 40? We've all heard about the 80-20 rule. Let's apply it here. Let's say you're 80% successful, but not 100% successful. Does that mean you're a failure? I think not. I don't think so. But it's, it's, it's human. It's a human quality in us to just focus on what didn't happen and to focus on the negative, you know? Maybe it's because of the standards that we set for ourselves. Maybe it's because of the society that we grew up in, the households that we were raised in, the expectations that have been put on us, those external expectations that have been put on us that we then internalize. That's something else that we internalize. The expectations that others set. So then that begs the question, how are we even measuring success and failure? According to who? According to who? We're going to get into some of that a little bit later. Our reflection question kind of has something to do with that. But um, we get to choose what we want to internalize, like what we want to keep from our experience and what we want to let go. I don't think we always recognize how much choice we have in the matter. And when you sit and think about it, it can be really, really empowering. If something doesn't work out exactly how you wanted it to, I think in that moment, you have a choice. Am I going to allow this defeat to define me or am I going to get curious and look for opportunities for growth? Get curious about why we didn't have that 20%. Get curious about why it wasn't all the way successful. Get curious about what maybe you can do differently next time. But also get curious about what you did right because there was some success. Let's not overlook that. We do ourselves such a disservice when we overlook the pieces that are successful. When we overlook the the quote unquote small wins, right? We do ourselves a humongous disservice. And I believe that we're digging ourselves into an even deeper hole that we can get out of, but we're making it harder for ourselves to get out of it. Just don't dig the hole. Don't dig the hole in the first place. You're already on the ground, sis. Like, why do you need to dig a hole? (laughs) Start on the ground. That's fine. That's where we're all starting. That's where we're all starting. So 
if we get curious, not only will we learn more about what it is that we're trying to do, but we'll learn more about ourselves. And that's the goal, right? Like in the grand scheme of things, big picture, we're talking big picture here, yes? As we are in these uncharted adult territories, we should be trying to learn as much about ourselves as we possibly can. Because if we haven't learned anything else, one thing that we've learned is that at the end of the day, I may be all that I have, but I still have me. At the end of the day, I'm, I'm, I'm with me and I got to look in the mirror. It's, it's me and me. It's me versus me, right? So I should be as curious and I should want to know as much about this person, this person that I am, this person that I'm becoming. I should want to know as much about that as possible. But also because if I had... If I had it in my mind to do the, the thing that wasn't automatically successful, then I probably still want to do that thing. So in my curiosity, I'm looking for additional ways to be more successful the next time around. And even if I don't get it completely right there, looking for ways to be even more successful there too. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, popular culture and social media uh, has not been helpful in this whole conversation about success or failure being the only two options because we really only like to show the success. And if all we show is the success, then we're painting a picture that that's all that exists. And what we're not showing is all the multiple attempts that it took to get to the successful one. We're not showing all the lessons that we had to learn along the way. We're not showing the 30, 40, 50, 60% success rates until we finally get it right and get to that 100%, right? And if the only other option was failure, then we wouldn't see anybody succeed. I truly believe that if our only two options in life were success or failure, we would never see success. One, because who gets it, who gets it right the first time, right? Sometimes we, we, we find our way in a positive situation that we didn't see coming. So we're like, hey, this was kind of successful. This, this worked out. But in my experience and the people I know, you know, it, we, it, it, the path never looked how we thought it would look, right? And if we gave up after every quote unquote failure, then we would never get anywhere because we don't know what the path is, is going to look like. And we just have to be, we have to be flexible. We have to be adaptable. So again, if success and failure are the only two options, we would never see success, we would never see success because we wouldn't give ourselves opportunities to get there. We, we would take the first bump in the road or the, the first mistake, the first setback. We would take that as failure and stop right there. And stop right there. Because failure, a lack of success, that is a huge fear for so many people. I, If I wanted to, I couldn't tell you how many people I've talked to who have had a fear of failure. On the other hand, lots of people also have a fear of success. So again, how does that work? How are we fearful of the only two 
of the only two options if those are the only two options. That alone tells us that success and failure are not the only two options. We really, really have to break that idea. We have to break that mold because we become these fearful people, these fearful people. And fear is maybe the most paralyzing emotion that exists I truly believe that is the most paralyzing feeling. The most paralyzing experience is a fearful one. Because we always think about the worst case scenario, the worst possible outcome. That's 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 what we tell ourselves will happen. And so then we don't start because we tell ourselves that it's going to be not only will it fail, it will be a glorious failure. It will be a a huge public shameful failure so absolutely not so no I'm not going to do it or the fear of success on the other hand is what are the expectations that are coming with that success what if I get there and can't keep it up what is the the success going to what does that mean for my life how is that going to change my life it's, it's the unknown. It's, it's the fear of the unknown that really keeps us paralyzed, you know? And that's at the, at the root of most anxiety is the fear of the unknown. And being afraid of something that we can't see, being afraid of something that hasn't happened yet, that does not even exist, that is not real, stops us from living our real lives that are existing in a very real world. But we're afraid. Maybe that's where failure exists. Maybe the failure, the failure is in not trying. Because with most things in this life, I think if you want it bad enough and are willing to work for it and are willing to learn and are really, you know, have a high level of commitment, then I think most things in life are pretty feasible. Yeah, for the most part, you know. Sure. I mean, there's, there are always expectations, but for the most part, I, I do believe that, right? How many of us have been sitting on ideas for so long? And then maybe after a while, we, we started and actually saw them come to fruition and, and you surprise yourself. But I think that the only failure is in not trying at all because there is never any success with lack of effort. I think if you're putting in any amount of significant effort, then you are succeeding because you are moving forward. Somebody asked me what I would title this chapter of my life. And I said that I would call it falling forward. Because let me tell you, my life looks a whole lot different now than it did about a year or so ago. And it looks way different than I thought it would look. And I am doing new things and having to really learn as I go. And I just, you know, feel like I haven't really found any stable footing. Um, I'm feeling really, really wobbly, but I'm still moving forward. I'm kind of stumbling through as I'm learning these things, but I would rather be stumbling forward than to be standing still, you know? It's okay to stumble. 
right? Like we're all going to stumble and fall and you scrape your knee and you get up and you wipe it off and you keep going. Or maybe you take a rest and you sit down for a minute until you feel better and then you keep going. It's okay to stumble. That's to be expected, especially if you're trying new things, things that you've not done before. Of course, we're going to stumble and fall. But it's in the getting back up and the moving forward that we find true success. Because there's no failure in forward movement. As long as you're still moving forward and still working towards these goals, then you're not failing. Even if it isn't working out the way that you thought it would. But if you're moving forward, baby, if you're not where you were when you first started, then you're successful. And we have to start being able to see it as that and really acknowledge the success as it's happening. You know, I have... um, In my office, I have a a letter board and um, I change it every week to try to have kind of like an inspirational message or quote or saying or something. And this week it says, our mentality shapes our reality. Now you always have to take these quotables with a little bit of a grain of salt, you know, because they can tend to be kind of broad and sometimes they can be a little bit minimizing. But this one I really like because it just allows us to take the ownership back. You know, a lot of times I think we feel like things are happening to us, um, but if that's how we see it, then of course that's that's how we're going to feel. And in this whole conversation about failure and success and defining these things, failure and success are very subjective. So based on how you define it, that will become your reality, right? If you tell yourself that you're a failure, then that's what you will become because you'll feel hopeless and you'll feel like, what's the point? And then you'll stop trying and you will stop moving forward. And that's where we find the failure, when you stop moving forward at all, when there's when there's no more effort, when you don't have it in you to keep going or to keep trying because you feel so defeated and you're internalizing that defeat and internalizing that failure, then it becomes your reality. So I don't know. I mean, I think everyone looks at success and failure differently. Um, but I think that I, I, I like the way that I see it now. Now, of course, who knows? You know, I might have an experience tomorrow, next week that changes the way that I see it. But I think that the perspective that I have on failure currently, it leaves room for error and it leaves room for growth and for flexibility and just for life to happen. Because life is going to happen whether we plan for it or not. You can't plan for life. And the, the longer you live, the more you learn that lesson, that you can only do so much planning. But life is going to keep happening, and you're going to have to roll with the punches and find a way to keep moving forward. So I think that it's really beneficial to find a perspective that kind of builds in that space to be flexible and to adapt to what's happening to the external circumstances and variables that we have no control over, right? And really, I think that we've got to get comfortable with giving up some control anyway, with you know not trying to hold on so tight to those reins of control that I think in the grand scheme of things, how much control do we do we really, really have? But 
if we can be okay with loosening the reins of that control a little bit, then I think it opens us up to more opportunities for success because we have a less narrow view of what success and failure is. The more narrow the perspective, right? The more narrow the definition, the greater the opportunities to fail. Does that make sense? Like if we're only defining success and failure in these very, very black and white terms, then the likelihood that you will land somewhere outside of those very specific terms is heightened. So if we can get comfortable with relinquishing a little bit of control or be okay with having to be flexible and and adaptable, then we will have more opportunities for success because we'll be defining it differently. And when you redefine failure and success, I think that it is only going to work in your favor. Because if you think about it, we're working off of somebody else's definition anyway and trying to live up to someone else's definition or trying to fit into someone else's definition of it. But if you stop and think about it, how do you actually define success and failure? You have the power to create a reality that's going to benefit you. You have the power to create a reality that will allow for you to be successful in even the small things and even the the mundane things. And that's going to add so much more joy to your life. And so we're, we're less less miserable all the time. Like we don't need another reason to be miserable, right? Like we, we have enough. There's plenty in this world and in this life to be miserable and upset about. And if you've got a narrow definition of success and failure, then you are just looking for more reasons to be miserable, to be miserable and to just begin to despise your existence here. And we don't want that. So broaden your definition And that increases your opportunities for success. I think that's all I have to say about that. So let's let's move on to our our self-compassion moment for today. Um, So this was was inspired by a conversation that I was having with a client. um, And the conversation was around um, the this thought of not wanting to be too comfortable. And it's it's terminology that we've all heard before, you know, and um, we talk about it, I think, in terms of motivation and ambition. Um, and we'll say things like, oh, got to keep working, got to keep going, got to keep pushing because you can never get too comfortable. And so our self-compassion moment is surrounding the idea that comfort and ambition can peacefully coexist. I know that that's that's new for a lot of us. That doesn't feel right for a lot of us because we, so many of us, especially in, in, in the black community, so many of us were raised under the tutelage of, of um, you know, tough love and pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you got to keep working, you got to keep grinding, you got to keep hustling, you got, like you can never stop, team no sleep, all of that, Right. And what we mean when we say don't get too comfortable is don't become complacent. And that's such an important distinction to make. You know, the words that we use are so, so powerful. So, so powerful. So let's make a distinction right now between 
comfort and complacency. Complacency is when you give up and you lose ambition and you lose motivation and you're no longer working towards your goals and you are settling in life and accepting bare minimum and no longer pushing yourself, you know, and and just kind of succumbing to a mediocre existence. That is what we want to avoid. So when we say don't get too comfortable, what we mean is don't become complacent. And that's a fair statement, right? We don't want to become complacent. That's, that's not a good look for anybody. But the idea that comfortability and complacency are one and the same is false. And I think that it's a dangerous mindset to have. We make ourselves believe that in order to be successful, you have to always be uncomfortable. You can't you can't be happy, you can't enjoy things, you can't relax, you can't have comfort because otherwise that means that you're lazy. Where did this idea come from that we can't enjoy the fruits of our labor while we're still laboring? I think the more comfort you can find, the better because that will give you the additional energy that you need to keep going and to keep pushing. When we have the mentality of you can't be comfortable, don't get comfortable, then we tend to overwork ourselves and there's more burnout, more exhaustion, right? You're more irritable and more snappy and you just feel this greater sense of urgency because you are working towards finally being able to rest, finally being able to have comfort. But when is that day ever going to come? Because if you never allow yourself to rest and stop, then even when you get to the goal that you're currently working towards, you are going to convince yourself that you have to find another one and another one and another one and another one. And you keep working and keep pushing and keep going the whole time, not allowing yourself to be comfortable. Not allowing yourself to be comfortable. There's a mentality that um, that that I've I've even even succumb to at times, which, which is if I'm resting, then I must be procrastinating, right? I think that we have also combined those two things. We've, we have, um, told ourselves that, that rest is synonymous with procrastination. And that is also untrue. I learned or I, you know, had been conditioned through my experiences or whatever it is that I have to always be busy. And maybe it's because, you know, I, like most people have a never ending to-do list and it's never ending because there's always something that can be added to it because life keeps going on and we have to keep showing up. So there's always going to be something to do. There will always be something to do. And so when I'm resting, when I'm chilling, when I'm when I'm lounging or when I'm just watching a movie or just listening to music or painting my nails or whatever it is, when I'm not actively working on something that's on my to-do list, then I've convinced myself that it's because I'm procrastinating and then I'm not even able to enjoy the restful activity as much as I would like to because on some level I've convinced myself that I must be procrastinating. I'm avoiding doing the work because there is work to be done. And I don't always stop and think about the work that I have already done today. You, you, you think that I would just, I was just laying around all day, not doing nothing, but no, 
most of the day has already gone by and I'm tired because I've been working because I'm doing things. So yes, I'm going to allow myself to rest and to find some comfort, right? But it's hard to enjoy because I've convinced myself that that's procrastination. We really have to break that for ourselves, for ourselves. In order to be good to ourselves, we have to be gentle and we have to allow room for rest and comfort. It's, 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 just, it's just really a setup, right? It's like you, you can't be comfortable and enjoy your life. Otherwise, that means that you are procrastinating and you're lazy because there is always something to be done. So then should every single second of the day be filled with work? That sounds miserable to me. <laughs> I don't know. That, that sounds miserable to me. You can still be a hard worker and get adequate rest. You can be a hard worker and somebody who has goals and ambition and live a comfortable life. Right? We have to start interacting with that differently. Because when we tell ourselves, you're procrastinating, you're lazy, when we tell ourselves that, then we are just feeding ourselves more negativity. And the way that we talk to ourselves and the way that we relate to ourselves and the way that we view and perceive ourselves has such an impact on the way that we're able to show up for ourselves and for others around us. So we're talking about self-compassion here. We need to be able to be more compassionate towards ourselves and acknowledge the hard work that we're putting in and acknowledge that we deserve to enjoy all of the things that we're working so hard at to enjoy the things that we're working hard for. We deserve to rest so that we can recover from all the hard work that we've been putting in and have enough energy to continue putting in more hard work. That sounds and feels a whole lot better. Saying to myself, you know what, girl, I am really proud of all that you've done today, this week, this month, whatever it might be, right? You've accomplished A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. You have accomplished all of those things. We know that we still have the rest of the alphabet to go but you've already accomplished this much of it. And you should be proud of that because I'm proud of you for doing that. And what do we need? How do we need to take care of ourselves so that when it's time to keep working on the rest of the alphabet, we can do it to the best of our abilities? That feels so much better than you have only done A, B, C, D, E, F, and G. We still have the whole rest of the alphabet to do. Why are you laying down right now? Why are you, why are you going to get your nails done right now? We still have the whole rest of the alphabet. Like you're sitting here doing all this when the work is just piling up. No one else is going to do it but you. That just feels, that, that, ah, that's, that, that feels like so constraining. Right, And it feels like I'm backed up against a wall. I don't pin myself in a corner. And I'm having to fight against myself to get out of the corner and be able to continue on with the rest of the alphabet. I'm doing that to myself because I've told myself that I can't get comfortable, can't be comfortable, can't enjoy the things, can't rest because that means that I'm procrastinating and that I'm being, and that I'm being lazy. That don't, that don't make no sense. That don't make no sense. 
Because that that mindset and that negative self-talk is only going to perpetuate the fear of failure that we talked about earlier. Because I'm telling myself, if you don't hurry up, if you don't get to it, then it's not going to get done. It's not going to get done well. You're going to be rushing because you waited to the last minute and it's not going to be as good as it was and it's going to be a failure. So why even start? So now I don't talk myself out of the whole thing, right? Like it's a, it's a snowball. And it just keeps going and it just keeps going. When if we just make the one little adjustment, the one little adjustment and allow ourselves the room and the space and the grace to enjoy the fruits of our labor while we're still laboring, it makes it easier to continue on laboring. If you got to wait till the very, very end to enjoy something, then nine times out of 10, by the time you finally get there, it's probably less enjoyable than you've built it up to be in your mind. And we've wasted how much time, how many months, how many years not giving ourselves permission to just stop and smell the roses, to just enjoy the small things in life, to enjoy the moment to moment things in life. So we haven't been enjoying our lives because we've been waiting until we get to this point. We've been waiting for the milestone. We've been waiting for the success that we are probably fearful of anyway. And then when you get there, it's like, okay, well, we're, we're here now. Now can you finally rest? Probably not because you have another goal that you're working towards. <laughs> and it just, it's, it's really, it's never ending. So I challenge you all to find the comfort in your life. Find the comfort in your life, whether it be your space, if it's your couch, if it's your bed, if it's your pet, if it's your friends, if it's your loved ones, if it's outside, whatever it is, find the comfort and enjoy it. Enjoy it. Embrace it. Receive it. Allow it to pause the hamster wheel for a minute. Enjoy it. Take a moment of rest. You're going to need it so that you can keep moving forward without having to fight against yourself in the process. We've got enough people to fight against. We have enough external things that make it difficult for us to move forward. We've got enough stuff working against us. Don't add yourself to that list as well. So find some comfort and enjoy it because you need it and because you deserve it. So finding that comfort is gonna look different for everybody. So as you are looking for the pieces of comfort in your life, think about how you define it. What does that mean for you? And that leads us into our reflection question, um, which is how do you define happiness? Now shout out to my homegirl Marissa because she gave me the idea for this question. But when you think about it, everybody has their own definition of happiness. Now, I want to make another distinction between happiness and joy because happiness is momentary and it's temporary and it's fleeting and it comes and goes. It's, it's a state of being, it's a state of mind, it's an emotional state, right? And just like every other emotional state, it comes and goes versus joy, which I think that you can have, you can, you can have a, a joyful spirit, even if you are not happy in the moment. So how do you define happiness? Where do you find happiness? 
do you allow yourself to feel happiness? Or do you tell yourself that it's something else? Or do you push it away because you feel guilty for feeling happy when there's so much work to do? So as we reflect, let me, you know, kind of do my own reflection here. Y'all know that's that's part of the process. Um, And I think that one of the ways that I define happiness or where I really feel the the happiest probably is, is maybe when I'm outside. When I'm outside in the sun, um, I am no stranger to pulling up at a park. I keep at least one blanket in my trunk so that if I do decide to go to a park, I got a blanket because we're sitting on the grass, we're sitting on the ground, not at the table. Get, get away from me with your benches and whatnot. I have a blanket, I'm laying down, um, my eyes are closed and the sun is hitting me and maybe I'm listening to music, maybe I'm just listening to nature and I just feel so tranquil. And so for me, my happiness has to do with tranquility. And when I think about why that makes me so happy, I think it's because sometimes in those moments is when my mind finally stops going. My mind does not stop ever. I'm, I'm pretty anxious. <laughs> I'm an anxious person. I deal with anxiety all the time. And a part of that is just not being able to quiet my mind. I just, the, the inner dialogue is nonstop and it can be kind of exhausting. So when there are moments that I just am not thinking, it feels so good and it makes me so happy. Of course, there are other, you know, things and and people that make me happy, right? Like when I can spend time with family and just when I can spend time with with friends and just have a real good, a good hearty laugh, you know, like a nice loud, long laugh like that just really fills me up. Um, I don't know, you know, sometimes when I'm when I'm doing my arts and crafts, but I think because that's a tranquil activity for me because I can kind of just zone out and create something beautiful. Even if it's not beautiful, right? I pull out a coloring book and just scribble for a while, but that feels good to me. That feels good to me. And so my personal definition of happiness is closely associated with tranquility. That's really important for me to know because since I have made that that connection or, or that discovery, I've been more intentional about seeking it out and trying to find other ways to invite moments of tranquility into my life, which basically means that I am finding more ways to invite happiness into my life. And I'm giving myself more enjoyable moments, even if they only last for a few minutes or for an hour, but they're lasting for a few minutes and they're lasting for an hour. And I'm going to be present for all of it. And I'm going to experience and enjoy all of it because I work hard. And because I'm so focused and because I'm ambitious and because I have goals, I'm going to enjoy those moments. And because I don't know when the next one is going to come again. If 2021 taught me anything, it's to expect the unexpected. It's that life is never predictable, can never be predictable. Um, And when it rains, it pours. So when I have those moments of tranquility and those moments of peace 
and those moments of happiness, they have become so valuable to me. They've become so valuable to me. And that makes me want to experience them more. So I'm helping myself by trying to find more of those moments, by trying to find more happiness in my life, trying to find more comfort, if you will. Curating positive experiences will only benefit you. So I think we owe it to ourselves to do that more often. You are the author of your own life because you create your own definitions of happiness, of failure, of success, of comfort, of ambition. You get to create those definitions. We don't have to be bound by these narrow definitions created by other people. Whether they're people that we know and that are close to us and love us and have really good intentions or whether it's people that we don't know and people who have created the system that we all live in. We definitely don't have to succumb to those narrow definitions. Let's not even get into what those definitions are based on and where they come from. So we've got every right to break out of that and just create our own. Because the ones who created all of that, created it to benefit themselves, which means that you get to create the definition that's gonna benefit you. And we should all wanna do that. It gives us a greater sense of ownership over our life, I think. And it just, it, it creates a fuller picture and a more colorful picture and a warmer picture in the grand scheme of things. And when you look back on your life, you want to be able to think about as many positive experiences as you can. And you want to look back and and have an exciting life and stories to tell and wisdom to share. And that just comes from experience and from living your life. Whether or not you have reached the pinnacle of your ambition. So that's a reflection question. How do you define happiness? If you get a chance, I would implore you all to really take some time and think about that. Maybe journal about it a little bit. Maybe, you know, get get together with, with some people that you trust so that you can create those moments together. Well, I think that's all I have for you all today. Hopefully you have been able to follow my ramblings. Um, and hopefully I've said something that at the very least caused you to think about things a little bit differently. Thank you all so, so much for listening. If you have questions or comments or you want to get in on the discussion, on the conversation, um, you can follow me on Instagram at wellnesswith underscore cam. That's wellnesswith underscore C-A-M. Or you can follow the process pod at the underscore process pod. I would love to hear from you. Um, And hopefully... You would love to continue hearing from me. (laughs) All right. It's getting away from me. Anyway, thank you so much for listening and hopefully you'll come back again.